We're good? Yeah, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for that message that was just shared. We thank you for your glory, for how huge you are, for just the apparent brilliance, Lord, <laughs> that, that you are, that your weight, your size is so much bigger than we could imagine. I thank you so much for this time to get into your word and to each hear a custom message, Lord, to each one of us that you have. I pray your Holy Spirit would work, would speak through me, would speak in spite of me, Lord, even around what I say, and that, other, that everyone would be drawn close to you tonight as a result of this time that we're spending together. Um, we thank you for the baptism coming up on New Year's Day. Pray that's an amazing worshipful time. Pray for the YWAM teams headed overseas soon. And we just thank you for all of the different ministers here in this room who are going to represent you well as a result of what we hear tonight. We're excited, Lord. To you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey there, Waipuna Chapel. It's great to see everybody. My name is Joshua. I'm a missionary and pastor with One Love Skate. Um, I'm so thankful for Pastor Sean and the team giving me this opportunity to share Jesus tonight and this opportunity to preach. Really looking forward to what God's going to do. Um, One Love Skate is a dyna dynamic discipleship and evangelism ministry that helps equip skaters to know and show the one love of Jesus. Now, we want to equip leaders to help skaters know and show the one love of Jesus. We've been global mission partners with Waipuna for years now, and we're so thankful to uh, partner with Waipuna Chapel and other churches as well to help share the one love of Jesus outside the walls of church buildings. And we're hoping that in 2024, God will open the door for us to help bring the presence of God to all six skate parks on Maui. That's the prayer. But many of you might know my bride, Nicole. I'm so thankful to parent with her, <laughs> to be married to her. She's the best. The, yes. And uh, these are our three rad lads that we work together to disciple. And... Uh, we're so thankful for them. She's also a teacher at King Kekaulike High School. And yes, I like the enthusiasm. <laughs> so good. But in this past year, I know for many of us, was so full of transitions. And for our family of five as well, it was full of big transitions. But also today's December 29th. And just shout out to my mom and dad, Gary and Heidi Marburger have been married for 39 years today. So it's their anniversary. So excited about that. But after a little over six years of serving on staff here as Life Groups and Discipleship Pastor, um, in early August, God called me to step fully into One Love Skate. And I'm so thankful for the privilege of serving with the pastoral team and the team of leaders here at Waipuna. It's a really special place. And we're so thankful to call Waipuna our home church. I think every weekend we've been on island, we've been at least at, at least one service we're so thankful for Friday nights and the different options and so thankful to be part of the body here at Waipuna and get to call Waipuna our home church. But today I'm so thankful for the opportunity to preach the word in Luke 2. Um, let's go ahead and look at that chapter. And as we are going to get into that passage, have you ever experienced something glorious? Something glorious. What's the first thing that would come to your mind when you think the word glorious? Maybe the birth of a baby, maybe a sunset, Maybe some kind of incredible athletic feat that someone could perform. Maybe a piece of art or music or literature. What do you think of? What's your first response to glory? All right, the, your spouse. I like that. <laughs> Wonderful. Extra points. Good work. <laughs> but, but from the heart, I'm sure. Yeah. But doxa is the Greek word for glory that we see in this passage. And uh, Strong's dictionary of the Bible says it's as very apparent. Glory, something as very apparent. And as we think about that, we can ask that question, how have you experienced God's deeds in 2023? Some type of glory, something that is very apparently God, that only God could do in 2023. And it might not be what others would expect to be glory. It might not be something positive. It could be something negative, but something that only God could do. How have you experienced God's deeds in 2023? You know, I just, uh, yeah, reflect on that. Talk about that with a friend, with your life group this week, hopefully. You know, today we're going to look closer at Dr. Luke's account of this classic Christmas story in Luke 2. And we're going to see how three shepherds experienced God's glory in a powerful, life-changing way. 
you know, what can we learn from these shepherds in Luke 2? You know, these principles from the example of these shepherds have the potential to radically change our lives, every aspect of our lives, but our relationships, rather, whether platonic or romantic, our work, whether professional or personal, even our recreation, we see these three ways to respond to the glory of God that can lead to an inward joy and glory reflecting our creator in a powerful way. And just a side note, um, the first seven years that my bride and I were married, we had the privilege of serving at Camp K&I at youth camps over there, Uh, youth and children's camp, some of those summers. And one of the team names was Joy and Glory. So we'd go, Joy and Glory. It was a really fun week where we just walk around. Army of One was the theme that week. But we're excited about youth camp. Be praying for the last night of youth camp in K&I tonight as well. Some of our youth from Waipuna are there, and it's exciting to know what God's going to do. But today, this is an opportunity for us to experience joy and glory, right? The glory and praise in Jesus. Um, it's really an opportunity for us today as well, and I'm, I'm stoked. So if you're able, would you just stand as we read Luke chapter 2? I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. This is a hard copy of scripture that I've enjoyed all through college and for a long time. And I wanted to share the message out of this Bible. But verse 6, it says, while they were there, that's Mary and Joseph and Jesus, um, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And Luke 2, verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Let's read these last few verses together. So starting in verse 17, one, two, three. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. God, I pray you would speak to us through your word tonight. Give us one thing that would transform our lives. To you be all the glory. Let your Holy Spirit be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, you may be seated. So in our text today, we see an example from a few shepherds of how we get to live our lives as Christians. And there's a lot that can be said about shepherds, how they provide for their sheep, how much they loved their low what some would consider lowly, but very essential position. And therefore, God used them repeatedly throughout the Bible. You have Abraham, Isaac, Moses, Jacob, David. Um, They were all shepherds. And even in John 10, Jesus called himself the good, what? Shepherd. All of that is awesome and interesting. But right now, we are going to be focusing on the fact that shepherds were likely everyday people, You know, maybe nothing special in society. They were hard workers who were probably much lower than the political leaders and religious leaders at that time. And these everyday people teach us three important lessons as all of us experience the good news about Jesus. So we're going to look at these three ways the shepherds showed God's deed. And first off, they said, I love this. Everybody say, let's go. Let's go, all right? It's in the text. Uh, And they hurried off. So it was not only with their lips, but also with their lives. Okay, they're doing their thing in verse 8. They're out in a field, and God sends his messenger 
to share the glory, all right? It's apparent, the glory of God. This angel showed up, verse nine, says, the glory of the Lord appeared to them, all right? It's shown around them and they were terrified. You know, and why were they terrified? Well, angels are powerful, intimidating creatures. You know, obviously, so often when they show up in scripture, the first thing they have to say is, do not be afraid. In 2 Kings 19, verse 35, you know, this is like a Terminator angel verse. It says, in the morning that people rose early and an angel had struck down 185,000 people, one angel, and there were all the dead bodies. Okay, so that's heavy. Like the angels, they're powerful. They're packing heat in a sense, you know? They're, they're huge and glorious creatures. And, but they say, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. These messengers show up and invite the shepherds to, in this fear and joy threshold that they're experiencing, to realize that there's a message that's going to bring great joy to all the people, including us, a couple thousand years later. About 2,023 years ago is when this all took place, first century that this Messiah, this Savior, the Lord, has been born. Now, I love the way John tells it later on in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This good news that brings great joy for all the people. And he tells them that there's a sign to you that you're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And there's this huge angelic scene. I don't know if any of you have seen a, the stars at night at Haleakala with just complete clarity. And imagine just a clear, crisp night sky and this huge, more impressive than a fireworks show of angels just celebrating. You know, someone called it the first flash mob. But this incredible display of God's glory. All right, the shepherds witnessed this. And they say to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. You know, I love it. It's almost in a sense, these shepherds act kind of like life groups act at Waipuna Chapel. You know, they said, let's go. They encouraged each other with their words, but not only with their lips, also with their actions, with their lives. And there was this window for obedience. There was only so long this little baby was going to be laying in a manger. And tomorrow's not promised. We need to make each day count. You know, some of you may remember the first message of this year. Uh, my brother, Jeff Marburger, he and his bride, Mandy, they have a very unique family. Um, they have a big heart for fostering and adoption. And they were here with four of their kids. And he shared a, a little bit about their heart for foster care and adoption. It really was convicting to me. And one of the ways they parent, one of the things they share regularly is that slow obedience is no obedience. They say, hey, slow obedience is no obedience. You know, there's a window of time when we're called to follow God, where if we miss that window, we miss out on what God has for us. It's important to obey Jesus right away. You know, August 8th of this past year was a specific time I experienced a unique window of opportunity to obey God. You know, that morning we woke up in Kula with some raging wind. Uh, the glass table in our backyard blew and collided with a two by six on our deck and shattered glass all over the yard. We lost power for a bit. Our friends over down the road were evacuated due to fires early that morning, but then they were allowed to go back to their homes. And we thought it was just another windy day at the time. But I knew in my spirit that day, God was calling me to step fully into One Love Skate, into this other evangelism and discipleship ministry. And it was tough because I love, like, we're three minutes, our house is three minutes away. We live close by. We love the church. We love the team. But I, I shared with Nicole about God calling me to do this. And she's like, put your feet in the Jordan and see what happens. You know, that's a little inside joke we have about the priests in the Old Testament. When they stepped into the Jordan River, as they stepped in, the waters spread. And there was this opportunity as they obeyed, they saw God show up in powerful ways. And that's what she said that day. So I wrote a letter to Pastor Sean and the team about stepping fully into this other ministry. And I came to the office, shared it with Pastor Sean. We met, we made a little plan. 
Little did we know, later that afternoon and evening, fires would sweep through upcountry and Lahaina that would take lives, destroy thousands of structures, and do tremendous damage. And as difficult as that time was and tough to understand, it was amazing to realize if I hadn't said yes that morning and said, let's go, let's do this, and hurried off and stepped into One Love Skate, that opportunity to do so would have been much further down the road due to the tremendous devastation and the need for pastoral care here at Waipuna and in the community after the fires. And thankfully, God's showed up in huge ways. You know, the growing team at Waipuna, so thankful for just what God's doing and the opportunity to still work shoulder to shoulder with Waipuna in all kinds of different ways, but fully focused on what God's called us to do with One Love Skate. And my very first day with One Love Skate, Friday, September 1st, we went to the west side about over an hour away with 24 pizzas, got to minister to hundreds of people, pray, and people who had lost their homes and even loved ones. And then God opened the door for a One Love Lahaina event with hundreds of people who got to hear from a pro skateboarder. Um, many people that day heard the message about the one love of Jesus. And we were able to celebrate that here and celebrate that there and join. But slow obedience that day would have been no obedience. And that event never would have happened a month or two later. You know, those things would not have happened if we hadn't said yes to God and said, let's go. Let's go. I love it. I have a friend that likes to say, let's go, let's go for Jesus. <laughs> His name's also Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And he just lives that. Let's go, let's go, let's do it. And uh, another friend here at Waipuna, she says, stay in the tube. You know, she encourages me, stay in the tube for all you surfers out there. That perfect timing, you know, of being in the barrel, being in that perfect place, not too far ahead, not too deep, but just in that, that sweet spot. And God calls that the kairos, in our lives, the, the perfect timing. That's good. We could just pray and end right here, yeah? All right. But let's go. Let's hurry off when God calls us to. And also we're to ruthlessly eliminate that hurry and urgency that's not of the Lord as well in our lives. That's a paradox that both are true. And yet I love this here, how the shepherds, they said, let's go with their lips and hurried off. So while it's true, actions speak louder than words, both words and actions are important. Okay, I love how Psalm 145 verse 13 talks about how our God, our glorious King, David says, the Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. Words and works. You know, the shepherds say these words, let's go. And then another thing they model is letting go. Okay, this is a little bonus point. But these, the seven words Jesus invites us to pray, all of us, that is a prayer of letting go and surrender, where Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, those seven words, your kingdom come, your will be done. And they let go of their job in that season. You know, they were able to step aside and let go of their will, their desires to go see what God had for them. You know, a recent illustration of letting go we've experienced is when our family is loading into the car. I think we have a picture, but our son, one, one of our sons in particular likes to grab the handle and try to open the locked door. All right, I don't know if any other dads uh, have experienced that, where your family just likes to grab the handles of the car and try to open the door. But the way our vehicle's manufactured is if you are grabbing the handle and pulling the handle the door will not unlock, all right? When you're holding onto that handle, when someone's pulling on it, the van literally will not unlock and will not open until that person lets go of the handle, all right? And how have you seen God open doors when you've let go of your will, when you let go of trying to calculate all the possible outcomes and trying to control all the results, but when you surrender and leave the results to God, how have you seen God open doors that no human could open to his glory? You know, we're called to not lean on our own understanding. We're not to lean on our own ways. We're called to take the highway. You know, and I love that. The El Elyon in the Bible again and again is called the most high God. So everybody say, there's no high like the most high. There's no high like the most high. So they hurried off. 
You know, they said, let's go. Let's follow what God has. This is higher than just staying in the same field, doing the same thing. You know, we're to experience something new. There's a baby, and that baby's going to grow up into a little kid. And as Kayla shared at the gingerbread uh, making time, she's, that baby is going to grow up into a kid, and then grow up into a teenager, and then grow up into an adult, and then die on the cross for our sins and rise again in glory. And we want to see this baby in cloths lying in a manger. So they said, let's go, and they let go. They surrendered their lives, their will to God. And the ultimate model of this, I I love that this picture depicts this passage where Jesus is in the garden, and he says, Father, if it's your will, would you take this cup from me? Would you let this cup pass? You know, can I not die on the cross for the sins of mankind? Can I not be, like, stripped and humiliated? You know, the cross, the word crucifixion is where we get our word excruciating. And Jesus said, can that cup pass from me, God? Can you take it away? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So Jesus models that let go and let God in that specific way here in Luke 22, verse 42. You you can study that passage more later on, but it's a powerful example of Jesus surrendering his will, the desires of his flesh to the desires of his father. How have you seen God open doors when you've let go of your will? Have you seen a firsthand experience letting go of what you desired to see God do what only he could do? Someone wisely said, sometimes you've got to let go to get a hold of it. Sometimes you've got to let go of your own desires and surrender that to the care of our creator. All right, secondly, the shepherds got to spread the word, all right? They hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger, all right? They made that window of time, praise God, all right? When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Spread the word. I like the way C.S. Lewis says, um, he, he writes, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. You know, this idea that praising something and celebrating it actually makes it better. You know, that's why it's so important for spouses to celebrate one another. All right, if you want a better marriage, celebrate the good. Look for those good things. Look for the good things in your kids. Look for the good things in your coworkers. You know, praising things, it actually helps us see those things that we're thankful for and brings joy into our hearts. All right, talking about the movie with a friend is part of enjoying the process. You know, I haven't been surfing for a while, so I guess I'm talking about it a lot tonight. But having friends on the shoulder when you're surfing, all right, cheering for you, and then talking about that wave that you caught, you know, helps complete that enjoyment, you know, spreading the word, it's, it's something we get to do, not a have to. I like the way Acts 4.20 writes, Peter and John, they cannot help but speak of what they've seen and what they've heard. Like this message is burning in their bones. They've got to share the good news about all the amazing things that Jesus has done. You know, a friend of ours has a testimony about how God has used her to spread the word at Waipuna Chapel this year. I asked Tara Dugan to share a little bit. She's our Awana director about how she's spread the word some through the ministry of Awana. So hear what she shared with us. Hi, Waipuna Chapel. This is Tara Dugan. I'm the Awana Upcountry Director and speaking on how God placed on my heart to spread his word through the program of Awana and how this basically came about through brokenness in my own life um, during covid I believe that God allowed me to store this program for now because he brought me to a place of realizing that he's of surrender, (laughs) realizing that he's in control and through the brokenness that I experienced, especially during COVID and being a go-getter mom, not being able to fix things for my girls, no matter how hard I tried, it brought me to a point of walking in a state of surrender, of realizing that he's in control and if he's going to make him want to work, great. He's going to bring the amazing volunteers. He's going to provide the funding he'll provide and I just have to trust him. And if he doesn't want it to go, I won't go. 
and I just really want all our upcountry Keiki and all of, just all of us to invest in a new generation who can walk in fearlessness by knowing God's word and knowing that no matter what comes our way, we can be warriors and not just have to just completely break because we can have faith. And so anyways, that's what God's called me to do. I hope that all of you will be encouraged and know that it's through our weaknesses and tragedies that God can rebuild us and um, that we're more than enough um, only because of him. All right. Love you, Waipun Chapel. Amen. That's good stuff. Her recent email, yeah, said, my heart was so full last night when leaving the clubhouse. This is the last night of Awana in the fall. Um, there were about 15 clubbers who stood and came forward in front of their peers to accept Jesus, the best gift of all. Insert lots of praise hands and angels rejoicing in heaven, she writes. She says, I wasn't too sure about having the clubbers actually have to get out of their seat to come forward to accept Jesus. That is so bold, but they did. God is so good. Pretty cool. How has the truth of Jesus transformed your life? Now, who's the last person that you've had the privilege of sharing this good news with? Have you seen God's deeds in 2023 through the opportunity to share about his grace? You know, I'm thankful for opportunities this year to kneel with a friend, to also kneel with a family member and trust in Jesus, trust in this life-changing grace that only Jesus provides. This is the gospel of his grace, the good news. How might God be leading you to show his grace? You know, there's two people in scripture who illustrate this good news in a really powerful way. And they were Peter and Judas. You know, years after the shepherds experienced baby Jesus in a manger, some of Jesus's inner circle that spent time walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, praying with Jesus, playing with Jesus, fishing with Jesus, doing all kinds of fun things with Jesus, witnessing Jesus walk on water, uh, witnessing Jesus feed 5,000 people, witnessing Jesus do amazing miracles, proving that he is the glorious God. Still in his inner circle, those guys had some serious issues. And women, I mean, the men and the women in his inner circle. Well, for the sake of equality, the women had serious issues too. And men. All right, but Peter and Judas uh, were really good examples for us of grace and guilt. You know, both of them, there's a chart on the back of your handout that I'd encourage you to dig a little deeper into this week. But both of them messed up very seriously betraying Jesus. You know, Judas went with the chief priests and officers and thought about how he might betray Jesus. Luke 22 verse 4 tells us that. And Peter in Matthew 26, 74 um, says he began to invoke a curse on himself and say, I don't know Jesus. I don't know the man. And then immediately the rooster crowed, just as Jesus had predicted that would happen with Peter. You know, they both messed up in some very serious ways. And they both experienced guilt, you know, but unfortunately, Judas chose the route of just general condemnation, you know, which is always spiritual warfare. If you're looking at this chart, that point two, general condemnation is not from God. General condemnation is from the devil. All right. And when we read this story of good news for all the people, you know, it's good news because deep down, we all know that nobody's perfect. Amen. All right, that's a, beauty, a beautiful part of Waipuna Chapel is we journey with people in a growing relationship with Jesus, imperfect people. We say, come meet the perfect God. All right, but there's a, a guilt that comes with general condemnation and there's a guilt that comes with specific conviction and they're very different. You know, specific conviction is a specific thing. I should not have done that specific thing. I shouldn't have done it that way or said that or done that. General condemnation would be from the voice of the devil saying, you're worthless, you're helpless, it's hopeless because you did that thing. All right, and you're no good and there's no hope for you. All right, and it's general condemnation. And if you start to think in your mind, condemning thoughts where, you know, like the third person, like you're no good, you're the worst, you're worthless. Anytime we hear you're hopeless, worthless, or helpless, you know, that's the enemy. That's spiritual warfare. And we need to realize that's what Judas had saw. You know, Satan's called the accuser of the brethren. 
All right, but uh, Peter, on the other hand, has specific conviction. You know, Jesus lovingly calls them out on something specific, and they both grieved. Judas's example is that he grieved with worldly sorrow that led to death, and Peter grieved with godly sorrow where there was still hope. One ran away from Jesus, took matters into his own hands, and the other ran to Jesus. And that's the good news of grace. We have the opportunity to run to Jesus or swim to Jesus in Peter's case. You know, and your family members and friends and neighbors and coworkers have that opportunity to experience God. That's good news for all the people. You know, and unfortunately, Judas gave up. He took his own life. Matthew 27, 5 tragically shares about Judas taking what wasn't his to take. And Peter, on the other hand, when he messed up, he didn't give up. He fessed up. And I love that. You know, he used his life for Jesus. He said, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. He fesses up. He's like, that's not me, what I did, and I'm sorry. That was my flesh, and I love you, Lord. And that's salvation in that case. There's so much hope, and there's so much redemption. Judas's ministry became known as a great mess. It's kind of a graphic verse, Acts 1, 18 and 19. You probably want to preview it before you look at that with your kids. But Peter's mess became a great ministry. You know, Peter was used to lead thousands of people to Jesus. And he obviously was an imperfect person. I love the end of Peter's second letter where he's Pastor Peter writing to encourage this church that was scattered throughout Galatia, Bithynia, Asia, this whole area. And it's a circulating letter to all these different churches going through tremendous persecution under the emperor Nero. And Peter writes to them and says, you therefore beloved, everybody say beloved. This is 2 Peter 3, 17. He says, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. All right, when people live for themselves and it looks fun, it looks compelling, but we're not to be, we're not to go with that flow is kind of what Pastor Peter's saying. He's saying, this is good news. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. You know, it's apparent how amazing God is. You know, Jesus has proven he's God by rising from the dead. To God be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. You know, despite all the imperfect people that are in the world, look at the perfect God. Peter says, Keep your eyes on the perfect God, not imperfect people. Grow in that grace. Grow in that knowledge of God. So the second way the shepherds teach us to respond to the glory of God is by getting to spread the word, the word of God's grace, God's peace, not just that guilt, not just that condemnation. You know, if we haven't believed in God, the Bible says we're condemned already, but the Bible says that Jesus came not to judge the world, but to save the world. There's a message of hope and love and redemption in the gospel of Jesus, the good news of his grace. Are you spreading that word? How can you spread that word? What's a specific step you can take today to spread that word? Maybe with a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker. You know, and it's God who saves people. It's not us who saves people, but we can pray for people. We can serve people and we can look for opportunities for when they ask us to give a reason for the hope that we have. And we can do that with gentleness, with respect. And yet, at some, some points in our lives, we're going to be so excited, we're just going to share. I have kids that are excited about their favorite sports teams, and they're not going to be very gentle and respectful to tell you that they love their sports team, and it's not really going to offend us deep down, probably. Maybe some of you guys. But when we're excited about something... Part of the joy of appreciating it is sharing it. So let's share it. How can we share Jesus more and spread the word in 2024? Third, this final principle that leads to inward joy and glory, reflecting our creator in a powerful way, is that they returned to their jobs, glorifying and praising God. You know, Luke 2, 18, it says, all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 
But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, these shepherds are knowing God more because, in a sense, they're their own little life group. I don't think that's too much of a stretch here. You know, they had their firsthand experience together journeying with Jesus. You know, it's also important to appreciate the solitude that Mary models here in this passage. She's treasuring these things deeply in her hearts. We would do well to treasure these things deeply in our hearts as well. But I love how these shepherds know the love of Jesus more as they return to their every day. You know, how is God calling you to know his love more? To posture yourself in a place where you're going to see God working. You know, to be faithful in your field as the shepherds were. To surround yourself by others who are experiencing God. They returned to their jobs, glorifying and praising God. I like, again, Peter's words, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. He says that if you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you've received a special supernatural gift, you know, like a superpower in a sense, a spiritual gift. And Peter writes, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You know, we can't be somebody who God hasn't called us to be. We can be and do the things he's called us to do. It's an invitation to follow him with the gifts and talents and skills and spiritual gifts he's given us. You know, if you've known God's love, how might you praise God in service? You know, this week at Camp K and I, I was asked to prayerfully consider teaching about the spiritual discipline of service um, by Pastor Kaipo. And it wasn't an easy yes by any means. But the preparation process was good for my soul, and it was fun to be a part. But this service that the shepherds modeled, sharing the good news when they returned, you know, this is something powerful. You know, and I love the comparison that author Richard Foster makes between self-righteous service and true service. All right, and you can find this chart on our website and the sermon notes. You might want to grab a picture of this chart, but there's a difference between Self-righteous service and true service. And there's something here with these shepherds returning, glorifying and praising God that strips away the self-righteous service. And they realize that they're not nearly as powerful as those angels. (laughs) All right? And we're not nearly as amazing as Peter and this letter that he wrote for us. And at the same time, God's given each of us a unique way that we're called to love and serve that can be truly amazing. All right, and there's a big difference. Self-righteous service comes from human effort, whereas true service comes from a relationship with God. All right, it's not frantic energy of the flesh when we're truly serving God. You know, and I'm guilty at times of being frantic and frenetic. Kind of like the story of Mary and Martha, where Martha's running around anxious and troubled by many things. And instead, we're called to listen to the whispered promptings that God has for us have true service that's unto him. All right, self-righteous service is impressed with the big deal. All right, it's Richard Foster writes, it's concerned to make impressive gains on ecclesiastical scoreboards. It enjoys serving, especially when the service is titanic. True service finds it almost impossible to distinguish the small from the large service. All right, self-righteous service requires external rewards. True service, the fourth way that true service is modeled is it's content in hiddenness. All right. It does not fear the lights and blare of attention, but it does not seek them either. Self-righteous service is highly concerned about results. It eagerly waits to see if the person served will reciprocate in kind. It becomes bitter when the results fall below expectations. True service is free of the need to calculate results. It delights only in the service. It could serve enemies as freely as friends. Self-righteous service. This is number six. Picks and chooses whom to serve. Sometimes the high and powerful are served because they will ensure a certain advantage. Sometimes the low and defenseless are served because they will ensure that a person has a humble image. True service is indiscriminate in its ministry. It has heard the command of Jesus to be the servant of all. Self-righteous service is affected by moods and whims. 
True service ministers simply and faithfully because there is a need. It knows that the feeling to serve can often be a hindrance to true service. The service disciplines the feelings rather than allowing the feelings to control the service. How great would that be in 2024, not to be governed by our feelings, but to let the call that God has on our lives to follow him be what guides us and leads us. Two more. Self-righteous service is temporary. It functions only while the specific acts of service are being performed. Having served, it can rest easy. True service is a lifestyle. It acts from ingrained patterns of living. It springs spontaneously to meet human need. Self-righteous service is insensitive. It insists on meeting the need, even when to do so would be destructive. It demands the opportunity to help. You know, you think of a kid like, let me clean up my own spaghetti. (laughs) Or there's a self-righteous service that can be dangerous and insensitive. All right, true service can serve by waiting in silence. It can listen with tenderness and patience before acting. And there's one more. I said two, but there were actually three, if anybody caught that. Last, self-righteous service fractures community. In the final analysis, once all the religious trappings are removed, self-righteous service centers in the glorification of the individual. Therefore, it puts others in its debt and becomes one of the most subtle and destructive forms of manipulation known, whereas true service builds community. Everybody say community. We want unity in the community, right? All right, we want to come with a true service that's under the Lord because we can't help but serve because of what we've seen and heard. All right, I asked my bride to share a spoken word with us to help us think about life after this Christmas and holiday season transitions. So I invite Nicole Marburger to come up and think, are we returning, glorifying, and praising God? Love you, babe. All right. Christmas. Mm. What a time. A time to remember. A time to reflect. A time to unplug a time to connect. Immaculate conception, virgin birth, sweet salvation, hope for the earth. But this season, in my season, mm, chaotic, commercial, empty, exhausting, and a very expensive event that could drag on for months at a time. So take me back to once upon a time, to a time planned before time. Oh, the wonder, one night, one star, one love. Shepherds, sheep, significance. God considers nobodies as somebodies. See, in that time, shepherds were often thought to be cast-offs nomads, not well-respected, despised, rejected, social outcasts, undesirable, unlikely, untrusted. Yet, what we see from their story, they hurried off, spread the word, and returned, glorifying and praising God. Picture it, another night, another hall, bright light, angelic call, fear, like being caught, announcement, sky full of angels brought. First flash mob, think of it, glory to God in the highest. The sheep, straight left, shepherds sent off seeking. What do I glean, what is the meaning? Stuff of the season, rhymes and our reasons. Just like a shepherd, I'm a sinner, saved by grace. Just like a shepherd, drop it all and seek God's face. My boys wanted presents stacked up high. My husband wanted meaning, things you can't buy. But Jesus, what do you want? You revealed yourself first to shepherds, fitting as such. 
You came to be our good shepherd. I do know that much. Your story is one that reaches back forever, forward into eternity, down to the depths of mystery, and up to the heights of glory. And me, a sheep, silly, simple, stubborn, in need of firm guidance, tender, loving care, oblivious to your big picture, a wanderer, a frail creature, and you, the good shepherd. You lay your life down for your sheep. You lead, you restore, you comfort. You call and your voice is knowable. From infinite to infinitesimal, you tell me to be like you, to live, love, and die with purpose, all to make the Father's name known. So in this season, let us remember, reflect, unplug, connect. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Oh, the wonder. One night, one star, one love. Amen. Great stuff. Hey, babe. Good good job. Good stuff. So how are we called to return? Glorifying and praising God. Luke 22, verse 32, Jesus tells Peter, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. When you return. I remember my senior year of high school, a man at our church talked about God making him an ordained plumber. And God had given him the skill of plumbing so that he could do it to further his kingdom. You know, wherever God has put you, that's where you are providentially set to be. I'd invite Travis to come up and play. But in verse 20, the shepherds finished their visit to Jesus of of Luke 2, our, our chapter. And this good news is good news. It's the real deal. You know, they returned glorifying and praising God. And this is where it's at. It's the daily grind. You know, we need to be sharing Christ with the world. After this new year begins, 2024, for some of us, it's back to a normal work schedule, or maybe we're hunting for a new job, or maybe it's being a student. Whatever it is that we're doing day to day while we do it, like the shepherds, we're to glorify and praise God. Now, Jesus' prayer in John 17, he says, Father, it's not that I want you to take them out of the world, but sanctify them by your truth. You know, glorify God in the world, not of the world. Whatever we're doing, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, do it all for the glory of God. I like the way Pastor Phil said tonight, go out and glorify God in the real world. You know, that's what we want you to do as Waipuna Chapel. Amen. Which aspect of this shepherd's experience resonates most deeply for you? You know, how are you called to hurry off, to stay in the tube of God's perfect timing? How are you called to spread the word and glorify God? In conclusion, in Acts 16, this is the last uh, passage that I'm going to switch us to tonight. But we can see the story of Paul and Silas, who were first century missionaries in modern day Greece. All right, they had a heart for the oppressed and the poor, and they're thrown in jail for setting someone free from a life of slavery. And from them using the gifts God's given them, being who God called them to be, and they set this girl free from a life of slavery. And they're in the inner part of a Macedonian jail in Philippi. They'd been beaten and flogged and stripped, but at midnight, they're singing praises to God. And maybe you feel a little more like Paul and Silas than you do the shepherds. As we think about their story, maybe you feel a little bit beat up by your circumstances. I'd encourage you to still respond to the glory of God with praise because it will radically change the world around you. Short story short, in Acts 16, there's an earthquake, their chains fall off, but instead of leaving, they stay because they care more about the jailer than their own freedom. And as they're glorifying and praising God with their lives, as they're salty and lighty, as one of our life group leaders here said, they're influencing the darkest and grossest places in the world, and people notice a difference. 
the jailer responds to their praise with a question. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said in Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. You and your oikos, that's your family members, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. That's that word household, your oikos. And then verse 33 says, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. So good. That's an apparent deed of the Most High. Amen? What's apparent in your life? What were God's deeds in 2023? Don't forget. Write them down. Talk about them on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. And let's pray God opens doors in 2024. How's God calling you to hurry off, spread the word, and to glorify and praise God? You know, I pray we see salvations for us and for our households. The invitation today, you know, and I pray you would fill out a connect card if God's leading you to follow him in one of these three ways. One, give your life to Jesus. You know, maybe you've never experienced the grace of Jesus like Peter did. And you've got that invite to give your life to Jesus, to experience his glory better than the experience the shepherds had because it's a firsthand experience that God's inviting you to have right now. That you can say, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and Jesus is Lord. And you'll be saved. Trust him as your savior. Or second, maybe you want to get baptized and publicly identify with Jesus. Maybe you were baptized as a child and it wasn't really believer's baptism because you didn't believe at that time. And if God's leading you in that way, fill out a connect card, talk to somebody today. And then last, maybe there's a specific way you're supposed to help spread the word that God's calling you in the unique way he's made you. So use a connect card, respond to God's glory with obedience and faithfulness tonight. I invite the worship team up. I'm just going to pray and then we'll worship our way out of here. God, we thank you so much for your glory. Thank you that your ways are higher than our ways. You truly know best. Thank you for this splendorous story of the shepherds and glory in the heavens of the angels and them responding in that window to go and see what you've done and they shared about it. But I thank you for this window right now, Lord. Tomorrow's not promised. And I pray that today, if someone's here that's never trusted you as Savior, that today would be that day of salvation. And there would be follow-up as well, Lord. Through the, Thank you for that tool of the Connect card, digital or the hard copy, Lord, to help really remember and seal the deal in a sense of remembering what you're doing. We pray you'd receive all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Help us to live lives of glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.